0: Welcome to another edition of the Cood Street Advent Calendar podcast. This is Gary Wolf. Jonathan and uh, Jonathan Strawn and I have decided that in the run up to the holidays, we're going to look at some of the books we're recommending from the past year and talk to the authors of those books. And today I'm delighted to have uh, the author of The Bruising of Kirwa, one of last year's most unusual fantasies, uh, Nassim Jamnia. Welcome, Nassim, and thank you for joining us.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm delighted to be chatting with you.
0: Now, before I try to describe the book, uh, I think I should let you do it because I said it was unusual and I can explain what I meant by that, but what is your description of the book to people who ask, "Oh, what's it about?"
1: Yeah, um I describe it in different ways kind of depending on the audience, but the, the mm-hmm. it's a it's a secondary world fantasy novella. It follows a non-binary refugee healer who has arrived in a new city-state that is faced with a plague and a migrant crisis. Mm -hmm. And they, as a healer, are trying to help the community while also hide their magic, which is blood magic and kind of a taboo magic in this world. Um, And then they are struck with what seems to be another magical plague and that they are trying to figure out uh, the mystery behind um, because it seems to be about or using blood magic, so mm. depending on who I'm talking to, sometimes it's a fantasy medical mystery, sometimes it's a horror fantasy. Um, but yeah, secondary world fantasy uh, in a queer normative Persian inspired world that I am coming back to. That I, 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 I
0: was drawn into it by the medical mystery aspect because even though it's blood magic, a lot of it sounds like real medicine. <laughs> it seems to work in the same way as, re- and there's there are allusions to actual hematology. In in, in the novel, Uh, the reason I thought it was an unusual fantasy uh, and and one that I was glad to see is it deals it deals with migrant issues. It deals with public health policy. It deals with most fantasy worlds don't have to deal with public health policy. It seems.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I
0: any city has to deal with that. And so uh, so it's interesting to find it finally addressed in a fantasy novel.
1: Yeah. You know, my, my background is in science and it was kind of a natural thing for me to import while I was writing this story because I was writing about a healer. So the, the magic mm. system is, is meant to be very scientific. Um, and as I was writing the I kind of came up against the public health stuff. Like the initial conception of the book didn't have the kind of Um, discussions about the governmental system that was going on in the city state and how public health was being addressed. And Mm -hmm. then I realized I couldn't tell the story I was trying to tell without doing that as well. So it's a, it's a relevant thing, you know, it's like, we all have to, especially having just, I don't want to say come through the pandemic, we're still in the pandemic, but um, having gone through that, we're seeing kind of what public health looks like on a national scale. So I was thinking a lot
0: about that. Well, that's one of the things I was wondering about when I was reading it is how much of this was conceived and more or less outlined before the whole um, COVID thing hit a couple of years ago. Uh, because it seems really timely, if you were starting it ahead of time.
1: Yeah, I actually started it in 2019. So mm-hmm. um, we went on submission with it in 2020, and we had the discussion of like, well, there's a plague going on. Like, what does it mean to have a plague book out during during a pandemic? Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately decided that it was that that is so much more backdrop to kind of what the rest of what's going on in in the book and about yeah. the concerns. So we just felt okay writing about it. But yeah, no, I, I was I was working on it before the pandemic hit. So
0: well, <laughs> that and, and, I was and,
1: like, oh, how relevant.
0: Well, you also hit... Uh, it's unfortunate to say your timing was good because there was there have been terrible refugee crises in the time since you began writing the book as well. And so that seems extremely timely. How, how, how has the reception been? Are people, uh, picked up on the contemporary references uh, as, as much as i did i guess
1: i've been really lucky with the reception um the people you know a lot of marginalized people are the ones that that tend to understand what i'm trying to do with the book yeah. um other people find it a bit full which is fair it's a little book <laughs> um yeah. but no a lot of people have i mean you know, i i think it can be really distressing to read fiction that is mirroring our world but for a lot of people i also think it's been um, different enough that it's okay to, to pick up something that is talking about real world issues and fantasy, because obviously mm-hmm. speculative fiction deals so strongly with, the with real world issues. It just depends on kind of the lens that you're looking at. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it happened to be a, a good, like good kind of using the word loosely, but a good storm of like relevancy. But the truth of the matter is that like, we've been having refugee crises for decades oh, and, yeah. um, you know, and, and like, this is not the first pandemic that we've been through. So it's kind of, you know, in a sense, only, only a matter of time. But uh, this, yeah, it, I, I, I did not set out to write a book that was going to re- reflect so much of our world, but then it became kind of inevitable as the, the book
0: was drawing to its conclusion that like, oh, this,
1: <laughs> I didn't have a choice. This, this is definitely well, You,
0: you, you, could, you can make an argument that a book like this is, uh, even though you're right, it's a secondary world fantasy, it seems almost conceived like a science fiction novel in the sense that your magic systems are kind of scientific systems the issues you're talking about uh, including well the obviously issues of racism the issues of gender all these are things that are are stirring around did you ever thought about writing it as science fiction or writing a science fiction story
1: um people usually ask me that when they learn about my background and uh-huh. i tend to enjoy watch my to watch my science fiction and read my fantasy i've okay. found um, so I was, I think I'd have to, to do, if I wanted to really write something in science fiction, to do it more justice, I, I'd have to read more. Um, mm. I, it's just kind of like a weird thing that's shaken out. Like I, I read science fiction books and I'm like, I enjoyed this, but it's mm. not going to, it doesn't do the same thing for me as fantasy versus watching it on television. I absolutely love watching sci-fi. Um, so maybe one day. Okay. I, you well, know, it, it, I definitely have an idea kind of tinkering in the back of my mind that maybe one day I will, I will approach.
0: We'll see. Well, I've always argued that there is... Um... There's the material difference between science fiction and fantasy. And then there are uh, science fiction novels that can be read as fantasies. A Mm -hmm. lot of people think Gene Wolfe's novels are fantasy novels, and they're not. Uh, And uh, there are fantasy novels that are worked out with the detail of science fiction, where the world building is... Mm -hmm. And I I have some skepticism about about world building. And one of the... Part of my... I actually have an, an arguments not with anybody that uh, that you'd care about I've used this as a defense of why you can do a lot of world building in a short space you can imply a lot mm-hmm. uh, and I one of the things I like about it being a novella uh, and it's a it's, it's a sizable novella
1: it's uh, it is a sizable novella. it's right it's right right under 40,000 right on the
0: edge of, of the awards people think of as a novel uh, yeah but but there's, there's clearly a, a, a much larger world here and I can see novelists who would have spent 300 pages before you got to your story, just filling in those details. That's what I don't have patience for.
1: Yeah, that's fair. I I really like getting my world building as I'm learning about the world, which I know does not work for everyone. A lot of people would prefer to have more uh, exposition or more handholding. And I did do more handholding in Kilwa than I usually do in my work, Uh Um, But uh, especially because it's a novella and it was introducing this world. But yeah, in, in general, I also would rather kind of understand the world kind of
0: naturally as I'm reading it
1: too. Um,
0: well, speaking of reading, that was mm-hmm. one of the questions we're trying to cover. What have you been reading? What are you reading right now? What are you enjoying? Right, yeah,
1: right now actually, I'm reading um, a bunch of YA uh, because I'm, I'm working on a young adult, uh-huh. uh, young adult story. So I have been I have been reading more about more of that. Kind of a mix of contemporary with like a speculative twist or, or just contemporary. So. Um, I recently read *Cost of Knowing* by Brittany Morris, which is um, a mm-hmm. YA that came out a few years ago that has a speculative twist, and that was that was really excellent. And my friend Terry J- uh, Benton Walker's book *Blood deaths comes out next year, also is contemporary YA with a speculative twist. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've been this year. I, I was looking through my list of books that I've read on the Story Graph, and I was really I, I have been very lucky this year <laughs> in the books that I've read because they've just been phenomenal. Like I opened the year with Charlie James Anders' short story collection, even. Grand Mistakes, uh-huh. phenomenal! What a way to set the year it's, it's so so incredible. You know, I I read "She Who Became the Sun" by Shelly Parker Chan, which wow. was incredible. Um, a light from uncommon stars, all by Rika Aoki, also also amazing. Becky Chambers' monk and robot books, phenomenal. I mean, like, wow, like talk about powerhouse novellas. Those are those are really, really fantastic. Um, and of course, I have to shout out Arby Lemberg's The Unraveling, which um the, I'm sorry, The Unbalancing, which the unbalancing. came out also with Achillon. Yeah, and it's and it's such a beautiful the first Bird wo- first full-length novel. Um, it's such a it's such a, like a tender, really beautiful novel. With a lot of high stakes, but very kind of quiet storytelling that I, mm. I really enjoyed. So, yeah, I've, um, I've lucked out with <laughs> with the books I've read this year. They have really been excellent. And that's just kind of some of them that I've read. I have a little note for myself. <laughs> oh, uh, Shannon Chakraborty's The Adventures of Amina al-Sarafi mm-hmm. as well um that comes out in March and this is my favorite of her books like wow this this book was so good so I'm really excited to have it on my shelves as well.
0: Do you have seasonal books that you come back to? I'm not necessarily talking about Christmas stories, although some people have favorite Christmas stories, but other people just have winter books that they return to or that they recommend to friends that are not necessarily even new books.
1: I've had to think about that. You know, I I Feel like there's so i used to reread a lot but there's so many books that come out each year and as i've had like more connections in in the writing community mm-hmm. and like making more friends i want to read these new books so i i rarely reread books um anymore so i yeah i can't say that i have like a favorite a favorite seasonal but i have been mulling over that question because I feel like there's the this this is a good holiday for or this is a good time of year for kind of cozy more cozy Mm -hmm. stuff. I can imagine like coming back to the Monk and Robot books at this time of year because it is super cozy. So
0: I think that's it. I guess what I'm talking about, what we're talking about, there is some kind of comfort food reading. So Uh, yeah, but the um, and a couple of people, interestingly enough, because I did not see this coming. Maybe three people I've talked to mentioned The Dark is Rising as something that they come back to.
1: That's one of my favorites. Really? From childhood, that series. That was one of the most influential series I read as a kid that got me on writing that and Tamara Pierce's uh, Tortall books. Those oh. were the books that I read over and over and over again as a child, Listen to the audios, I love those so much. Dark Rising is a great one. I should reread that.
0: <laughs> you, you should, because now there's a debate going on. It's not a debate. It's just something that came up during the recording of these podcasts. Everybody likes the Dark Rising. There are a couple of people who are less impressed with the later books in the series, I gather. Um, but that's almost inevitable. Um, there yeah, are people, that's fair. I mean, there are people who love... Um, a swiftly tilting planet, but didn't care for the sequel as well. But that's all right. I mean, it's it's, it's perfectly fine. Uh, but it does lead into another question: Is are we going to see more or hear more about Kilwa? Or what are you, uh, what are you planning for the next year?
1: Yeah, that's definitely my hope. So my MFA thesis was a full-length novel set in the Kilwa universe in Firuz's home country of Dilmun. Uh-huh. Um, so my agent just got back to me on that. We're going to talk over submission plans to send that out in the new year. That's a chunky one. It's, it's, it's different. It takes place 40 years after. Um, uh, but I'm I'm really excited for, uh-huh. excited for the story, and that's the first in a duology, which each of the books are standalone. So that's hopefully coming out. And I wasn't planning on a Kilwa sequel, but I have been kind of in my mind thinking about it because I do know what happens to the characters, yeah. Um, and I have an idea for something that would take place maybe ten or fifteen years after the events of Kilwa. So I'd love to work on that. But yeah, you know, cr- crossing fingers this book uh, gets picked up because it's a weird one. <laughs> you know, it's, it's definitely a strange one, but I'm I'm excited
0: for it. Is, so. it the, is it the characters you want to follow through with more than the setting, or is that even a fair question?
1: You know, usually I conceive of books as standalones. And so uh-huh. once I kind of have a character, I think about what their story is, and I tell that story, and I feel satisfied. But um, but I do really love the, the characters of Kilwa, who I, I was kind of anticipating of just, like, talking about and, and then putting away. But I have been thinking about them a lot, Um and you know what? What else they, they get up to? So the characters have have definitely drawn me back. But I've been yeah. playing in this world for a while, so who knows? Well, um. the uh,
0: the reason I I mention that is because it's there, there are there are uh, very good writers who uh, believe fiction comes out of character and the world mm. the world building is answering the question where is this character? Where does the character live, and so forth. I mm-hmm. was at li- I was at luncheon one time. Uh, not a luncheon. It was just a lunch with the three of us, and there were. I I can't. I'll tell you the names after we finish recording. But one one was a very character based writer, a very well respected uh, fantasy writer, and the other was a very successful fantasy writer uh, financially. And the very successful financially writer was lecturing the literary character based writer on how you build a world and you work out all the details of your world you work out the history, you work out the geography, and the characters will just come. They will just fall into place. They will be a function of that world. And the other author said, I cannot imagine starting a story with anything other than a character. And they just never connected at all. There was no nothing in common in their approaches to fantasy.
1: That's so funny. Yeah, I, I totally understand that. The funny thing is, I, I usually am a character driven, you know, like when I conceived of this world to begin with, I had the characters first. Uh-huh. But because I can't, you know, Kilwa was not the first thing I wrote in this universe. And so for the purposes of Kilwa, I actually did have the world first and then the Uh characters, which is not usually the case. Um, But because I was trying to explore at the time, learning to write a short story, still don't know how to write a short story. (laughs) Um, You know, I thought like, oh, I I already know this world. You know, maybe I can then come up with a story for it. So for for Kilwa, it actually was that process. But I agree. I mean, for me, definitely... Um, the characters usually come first, and those sometimes stem out of a thematic concern I want to explore. Those kind of come come together for me mm-hmm. um, around the same time at the at the beginning. So, but I don't, you know, like I've I've been exploring this world for um, at this point I think about five years. So it'll be interesting starting a new world from scratch <laughs> and whether it will Do yeah. you, you see yourself it'll... as
0: more more of a novel writer than a short story writer?
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. I, it's amazing. I mean, Kilwa could have been a novel. Absolutely. Uh-huh, yeah, is, um, easily. But yeah, usually, usually I am. I, my stories inevitably turn up to uh, first draft around 75,000 words or 85,000 wow, awesome. words. So <laughs> that's, that's usually yeah. And I mean, the next one, the next one is really chunky. We're trying to cut it down. But that one's 150,000. And that's the longest thing I've ever written. So we're hoping to cut it down.
0: It's, well, it's good luck with it. Well, we'll have to keep our eyes Thanks. out for an announcement in sometime during 2023. We hope.
1: Hopefully, yeah. yeah. Crossing, I'm crossing fingers. We've been so lucky with the reception of Kilwa that I am ten, tentatively hopeful. I know how submission goes. I, I've been yeah. on the submission train for for a while, so um, you know, the, tentatively hopeful is the best that I can I can ask
0: for. Okay. Well. Uh, we've run over the time, as we always do on these things. But uh, thanks very much for being with us. I've been talking with Nasim Jamnia, uh, who, and we've been talking about the bruising of Kilwa. Thanks so much for joining us.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: And until the next time, this has been the Advent Calendar edition of the Cood Street Podcast.